Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine Podcast. This is episode 30. I'm your host, Riley. Happy Tuesday. It's early Tuesday morning here in Haverhill, Massachusetts. Just got in from Orlando, Florida late last night. Was at Bay Hill Club and Lodge on Saturday for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. The golf course was gorgeous. The tournament ended up being amazing. Bay Hill seems to deliver year in and year out. It seems like the finish is always fantastic. The conditions have been really tough the last two Sundays this year. And then last year, I think only four players finished under par. I believe the year before that, Rory came back and shot 64 in the final round, birdied, I think like five of his last seven holes or six of his last seven holes to win. It's always delivers. Year in, year in routes, one of the best finishes on the PGA Tour, and it, it was again this year. It was great. The field was amazing. The leaderboard was fantastic. I think on Sunday, only two guys, Bryson and I forget the other one off the top of my head, only two guys who finished inside the top 10 shot under par on Sunday, and that is just electric. We love that kind of stuff. So Bay Hill absolutely delivered the Arnold Palmer again was fantastic. So we're going to talk about that. Going to talk about our my day on Saturday following Rory in the late afternoon window. Kind of just walking around seeing the golf course during the morning. Watch J Day for a little bit. Watch the Aussie. The golf course looked phenomenal. So we're going to talk about Bay Hill and all that kind of stuff. And it's fucking players week. It's one of the best weeks of the year. The field is stacked like normal. 48 of the top 50 players in the world are at TBC Sawgrass this week. Missing is obviously Tiger Woods and a recent WD Brooks Kepka due to a knee injury. Uh, that's one of my headlines I'm about to go over in a second real quick. But 48 of the top 50, it's annually the best field on tour throughout the entire schedule so this week always delivers and most of the guys coming into the week that are going to be kind of at the top like of DraftKings odds are all playing really really good golf I mean JT just had a top 15 Jordan Spieth is coming in really hot he had another great week at Bay Hill Rory's playing okay golf the last time we saw Dustin Johnson and John Rahm they didn't play great but just a lot of guys are playing very, very good golf. That's why it's a big bummer that uh, Brooks isn't here because he was kind of returning to the form of like, oh, shit, like Brooks is back. Uh, Xander Shoffley continues to play good golf. Patrick Cantlay is coming off a streak of really good golf. Tony Finau, obviously, just had his first finish outside the top 10 in like two months, I think. Colin Morikawa is coming off a win. Webb Simpson was winning 
was in one of the final groups at the WGC. Victor Hovland obviously is coming off a stretch of crazy good golf. So the players is going to be fucking sick. But before we get into that, a couple headlines. Again, Brooks Kepka is out this week at the players due to a right knee injury. And again, that's a bummer because he was coming in like old Brooks the last couple times we saw him. I mean, he just won the Waste Management Phoenix Open down in the desert. And then at the WGC, he was the only guy really at the end of the tournament that could have caught Colin Morikawa if he eagled, uh, what is that, was 17. So he is really the only guy in striking distance. And it's a bummer to see him get, again, missing another event because of injury. He just seemed like he was at full strength the last time we saw him. And then maybe he was practicing a lot, getting ready for the players and just tweak something. But again, that's a really big bummer. We're going to mix Brooks, especially he was going to be in one of the featured groups, I think. So they're going to have to replace that. But going to miss Kepka this week. Uh, Another one, Phil Mickelson for the first time in nearly, I think, 30 years, is officially outside of the top 100 in the world rankings. That is an incredible run. He's the 101st ranked golfer in the world, the first time outside the top 100 in nearly three decades. That's a crazy run. And then our guy, not great great news, Roy McIlroy is out of the top 10 of the world. He's 11th. And this hasn't happened to Rory since 2018, the week before the Arnold Palmer. And he uh, he won that week. He ended up shooting 64 on Sunday and winning the golf tournament. So let's just hope that kind of happens again for our guy. He bounces back and just goes crazy at TBC Sawgrass and maybe goes back-to-back winners. I know that I think back-to-back winners at the players I don't think has ever happened. And more guys, more past champions the year after winning have missed the cut than come in the top 10, I believe is the stat. So it's not looking good for our guy, but he looked decent at Bay Hill. So we'll see if we get turned around. But yeah, hasn't been outside the top 10 since 2018. And he is officially back outside the top 10. So he needs a little bit of a spark. But that's it for the headline. So let's just go over Bay Hill. Bryson DeChambeau gets, I think, I think it's his seventh PGA Tour win. He just played very, very good golf, very consistent golf. It was just really, really good. He was one of the guys again on Sunday to shoot under par. And I noticed it on Saturday when I was walking around, and you guys know that I'm not a great big Bryson fan, but when I was walking around on Saturday, people love watching this guy play golf. I mean, his crowd that was following him on Saturday was probably bigger than the one that I was in following Rory, probably bigger than the one following Jordan and Justin Rose, of course, Rosie WD'd after a couple holes. But Bryson brought the noise at Bay Hill, and it really is because of that driver. It's like a little bit of that Happy Gilmore effect, right? You get people that aren't interested in the game of golf out to a golf course just because Bryson stands on the tee and swings out of his goddamn shoes every time he hits driver. And it was, I wasn't there on the tee box when he drove it over the water on six on Saturday, his first one. I don't even know what it ended up being, like 370-something yards. I wasn't on the tee box, but I was on five, which if you guys have never been to Bay Hill, if you're standing right around the green on five, you can see the tee box on six. And it was electric. I heard the swing. I looked over. I saw him do his little hands in the air thing. And it was electric. I'm not obviously not a big fan, but it was sick. And that's what he's doing for the game of golf. He's growing the game of golf. And it's really, really good for the game. If you're getting people into the game that aren't interested in golf at all, to watch Bryson just smack driver all day and then they go home thinking, man, that looks really, really fun. How do I learn how to do that? That's how you grow golf. And he's doing a great job at that. I'm never going to be a Bryson guy. I think he's annoying as fuck. In one of the interviews, I think it was after either Friday or or Thursday, 
He mentioned like he's waiting for the ball and the equipment to like catch up to his skill level and speed level for him to truly play the best golf that he can. I mean, shut the fuck up, dude. You're not a beyond science. But what he's doing for the game of golf is crazy. Another annoying thing, like the first thing he did after winning Arnold Palmer's golf tournament was thanking all 17 of his sponsors. It's like, dude, can you just take the trophy and like thank you, Arnold Palmer, thank the volunteers and all that kind of shit and then drop the sponsors at the end or something like fuck. But what he's doing for the game of golf, I sound like such a hater right now, but what he's doing for the game of golf is awesome and I respect it. Obviously, you have to respect it. He's won a bunch of tournaments now. I think he's won, what, three tournaments since he's turned into the Hulk. And he's he's the one that's doing it. Everybody's like, oh, if I could, if I bulked up, I could drive it that far. But like you could, but you're not going to. And Bryson is the one that's doing it. And you have to respect what he's doing for not only his game, but just the game in general. So yeah, Bryson, congratulations, man. He put, he, he capitalized Lee Westwood shot plus one. I mean, which is really good in really tough conditions. Bryson shot one under, and that was enough to get it done on a really tough day at Bay Hill. Like I, like I said, only two players that finished inside the top 10 over the weekend shot under par. And that is crazy. So congratulations, Bryson. It was awesome. It was electric. I do have to admit, it was electric on Saturday, seeing him do that arm point thing. It was sick. The people were buzzing around Bryson pretty much all day. So it was really good to see that kind of stuff. But yeah, Bryson gets the win. Our guy, Roy McIlroy, came in the top 10, little T10 finish, shot a plus four on Sunday, which is just not great. Uh, He was in the mix coming into... The weekend, I mean, what he was tied for the first round lead, I believe, and then I think he only shot like one under, I think, in his second round or something like that. Yeah, one under in the second round. He was one back heading into the weekend, and then when I was following him on Saturday, he just played the most like boring golf of all time. He opened with five straight pars, failed the birdie, the par five fourth, gets to the sixth, hits a monster tee shot. I mean, 360 into the right rough, gets it uh, into the greenside bunker, gets up and down for birdie makes three uh, pars to close, pars 10, bogeys 11, and then he birdies 16, which is the, might be the easiest par five in all of golf. Um, and then he made a awful bogey on 18, and I think that kind of just stalled it out because that made him four back going into the final round when it was going to be tough conditions. On the PGA Tour, four back and three back are just way different things. I know it doesn't sound crazy different, But being three back going into the final round and being four back is a huge difference. And I think missing a three footer on 18 for par on Saturday afternoon, like just really just the air out of the tires came out at that point. And then he just played a really shitty round on Sunday in tough conditions. I think he shot 76. But the putter seemed, I think he led the field going into the weekend strokes game putting. The putter seems to be a little bit better. He's using the line on the ball still, kind of taking a little bit from JT's putting routine where he addresses the ball, like hovering the club over the ball to make sure he's aiming in the right spot. Then he backs off of it, takes his coin one more look, and then he goes and fires, kind of like what JT does. I don't know if that's JT kind of helping him out or or Faxon gave him that little thing, but his, his putter seems to be a little bit better. It kept him in it. He made a bunch of really nice par putts, but it also kept him out of it because he missed a bunch of short birdies. I think he missed like a, a five foot birdie on four on Saturday and then like a 10 foot birdie on five on Saturday. Like he missed a bunch of really short putts that he should have made, but he also made really good par putts. So I don't know where Rory's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see 
what he does at the players. He admitted that he needs a spark right now. He's kind of playing just dull golf. He needs something to happen just to kind of spark him to go get another win. I mean, he hasn't won in what, 18 months or something like that, like a year and a half. I don't know if it's been that long, but it's been a long time. So Rory needs to get a W quick. Who knows if it's going to be at the players. If I had to guess, I don't think it's going to be at the players. I don't know. I think it's since 2000, nobody's repeated as a player's champion. I don't even know if anybody's ever done it. So it's definitely a tall task. We'll see if this week can get him a little bit of spark, maybe a top five finish or something like that. But we'll see what Rory happens. Lee Westwood played same ballsy golf. He was the leader going into the final round. The old guy was just getting it done. And in tough conditions, he did play a fantastic round of golf on Sunday. He, he shot plus one, which was one of the best out of the players that finished inside the top 10. He had a really, really good round, just not enough to keep up with Bryson. He was sick on Sunday. He celebrated his little 300-yard drive that went over the water on six. Like He's a great guy, great golfer, obviously. I think his wife is still his caddy. We saw him a little bit on Saturday when we were walking around. He just played really good golf, shot a 65 on Saturday, which I did not think that was out there, walking around. The conditions were a little bit wet, I guess. Not crazy wet, but it did rain for a little bit. It was windy. It was probably blowing 15, 20 at some points on Saturday. So I didn't think a round like that was out there. I mean, Keegan Bradley shot one better than that. I think he shot, I think he shot 64, I believe, or even 63, but 64 on Saturday, followed it up with 78. But low score Lee Westwood, man, came out of nowhere and just got in contention final round or Saturday leader. It was really awesome to see. But that guy's just been around forever, getting it done. So it was good to see him at the top of another leaderboard. He's been playing some pretty decent golf over on the Euro Tour, so it was good to see him in the mix. Corey Connor was was just always there, 66, 69, 71 going into Sunday. He was just playing rock-solid golf. It was hilarious, though, because he was in the final round on Saturday when I was at Bay Hill, and Rory and Bryson were like the second and third last group or something like that. And I think maybe 10 people were following the final round on Saturday. Like they were playing just golf by themselves, which makes sense. I mean, if Rory and Bryson are both in the mix, like who the fuck wants to watch Corey Connors and like Andrew Putnam, like who gives a shit? But you got to feel bad for him. But again, he's been playing some pretty damn consistent golf. He strikes the hell out of the golf ball. He's got a great iron player, really ugly swing, but another solo third for him, another top five finish, which is great. Jordan Spieth had it rolling. He shot 70 in the first round, 69 on Friday, and then 68 on Saturday in tough conditions. But I mean, that has a lot to do with a little ace on two. He opened with a birdie on one, which is that one is a really difficult hole and he drained a 19 footer for birdie. And then I was coming back from the middle of the front nine to the clubhouse area to watch Rory tee off and follow him for the rest of the day. And I stopped at two on my way back just to watch the par three for a little bit. And we stopped and actually the first or the second group we saw was Jordan Spieth and Justin Rose. And I was 20 feet away from the hole maybe when Jordan made ace and that is the moment when like you really realize like how important fans are to the game of golf. It was fucking electric. The place went absolutely nuts. It seemed like everybody on the golf course was at two at that time. I've never seen an ace in person and it was just fucking sick. 
It was electric. It was amazing that it was Jordan. It was the perfect guy to get an ace in that spot because he's one of the fan favorites. He's playing good golf. We want to see him at the top of the leaderboard. And for him to drop an ace in there, it was fucking sick. Everybody went crazy. It was awesome to see him just pick it out of the hole, walk away. He was loving it. But yeah, Jordan Spieth, another top finish, a top five at Bay Hill. He's never played there before. To T5 at Bay Hill in your first appearance is very impressive. We were talking last week that you have to have a little bit of experience at this golf course to be in contention just because the dream the greens get a little bit tricky the chipping areas are a little bit tricky course management is hard if you've never been there before but jordan to top five without any experience really really fucking good uh will zalatoris another high finish a top 10 for the kid he shot even par on a tough sunday he just continues to play good golf. Another guy that continues is Matty Fitzpatrick, just consistent all week long at Bay Hill, 69, 71, 71, 74 on a tough day. Paul Casey up there again with a top 10 finish. Roy McIlroy, like I said, top 10. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood loves Bay Hill, loves him some Florida golf. Another top 10 for him at Bay Hill. He's going to be a name to watch at the players. We're going to talk about him in a bit. And then our fucking guy, Max Homa, shoots plus one on a on a just a windy Sunday, tough conditions. He was saving pars from in the water, taking his shoes off, punching in the fairway, putting it to 10 feet, making the putt. Max Homa continues to play really good golf. We're going to bet him on the players. We have to. That's our fucking guy. And he continues to play crazy good golf. The run that he's on is nuts. He's up to, I don't, I didn't check the latest. Maybe I can go on right now real quick, but he's up to the top 40, I believe in the world, maybe with this latest finish he's even moved up further than that but the guy is playing some goddamn golf right no he stayed at 38 but he's playing some goddamn golf right now and it was awesome to see that was the first time i ever saw max in person so he's playing golf he's going to be a guy to look at the players that we're going to talk about later but the leaderboard was just stack hideki had a top 20 um bets wise the only we hit two of them we hit manny fitzpatrick and we hit max homa Jason Day was right outside the top 10 going into the final round, and then he ended up shooting 79. Luke List had a really shitty Saturday, I believe it was. We only needed him to top 40, and he came in borderline last of everybody that played, um, that made the cut. Yeah, so he made the cut and then shot 75, 76 over the weekend, so that sucked. Um, I think Sungjae M was one shot outside of the top 20. Yeah, he was T21. So it was one of those, another one of those weeks where we were just borderline on every single fucking bet. So that sucks. But the players, I love the card so far at the players. Everybody that I'm going to mention here in a second is somebody that I really like this week. So let's jump into it. The players championship, it's fucking players week. So let's get into it. Let me sip a cup, a uh, little coffee because it's early. All right, the players. Field. Like I mentioned, 48 of the top 50 players in the world are at TBC Sawgrass this week, missing Tiger Woods and Brooks Kepka due to a right knee injury. Rory McElroy def- returns, excuse me, as the defending champion. Uh, he's outside, like I mentioned, outside the top 10 in the world for the first time since 2018. He won the week after that, the last time that happened. So let's hope that happens again. World number one, Dustin Johnson is looking to add to his trophy case, man. It seems like he's won everything but a player's. And that kind of was the vibe when Rory won. Like, he has major championships. He's won big tournaments in the past, but hasn't won a major. I mean, the players, that's kind of where DJ's at right now. So he'll look to add one, but he struggled in Bradington, man, at the WGC. He tied for 54th in a small field. Again, there was only, what, 71 guys there. So he came in almost dead last. That's not great. John Rahm, 
also struggled. He's world number two right now, also struggled at concession. So we'll have to wait and see until the player starts, if that break was good for them, bad for them. Who knows if they got to it together a little over a week for the players, but we'll see. Come come uh, Thursday morning or whenever their tea time, the tea times for this uh, for the players haven't come out yet. So we'll wait and see what the feature groups and all that kind of stuff look like. But the world's best players weren't great the last time we saw them, so they're going to have to turn it around. And I would include a other big names in the field section for you guys, but it's fucking everybody. Bryson, Rory, Xander, JT, Cantlay, Tony Finau, Morikawa, Webson, Hovland, Spieth, Berger, Hatton, Casey, Matsuyama, Reed, Fleetwood, Day, Fitzpatrick, Scheffler, Smith, M, like everybody's fucking here. So I'm not going to go too deep into the field because everybody is in the field. Of course, the famous TPC Sawgrass, Island Green 17, all of that stuff, par 72. It tips out right around 7,200 yards, so it's not crazy long. Distance has won here in the past. Obviously, Rory put his dick on the table on 18 last year and hit one of the best drives of his career. And then guys like Webb Sinton have won this tournament. Cooch, like guys that don't drive it that far, have won this golf tournament in the past. So again, TBC Sawgrass is the perfect example of a golf course that anybody can really win at. And that's what makes it electric down the stretch in most years. So that's what we're looking for, around 7,200 yards. Pete Dye Design. Smaller than average green complexes, which are now controlled by a sub-air system, actually, that was put back in put in place back in 2006. So no matter the weather conditions, they can dry out these greens. So they're going to be fast. They're going to be firm. Moving it to March instead of May. So in May, it's a little bit hotter in Florida. So the fairways usually play very firm, very fast. But in March, just because there's a little bit more rain happening, it's a little less firm. That's why... You saw probably Rory win last year just because it's a little bit softer. Distance plays a little bit more when the fairways are soft, right? It kind of lengthens the fairways with no rollout. So you see guys with a lot of distance. But then again, Jim Furyk was second. So it's not all of that, but you see a lot of guys that can move it. Like John Rahm was at the top of the leaderboard last year. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood can low-key move it a little bit. So distance is going to play a little bit, but very small greens at TPC Sawgrass. The weather looks fantastic. Thursday, 71, sunny, uh, 11 mile an hour winds. Friday, 72, sunny, nine, uh, nine mile an hour winds. Saturday, 74, nine mile an hour winds. And then Sunday, 71, partly cloudy and 12 mile an hour winds. So we might see the wind pick up a little bit on Sunday, but for the most part, the weather looks phenomenal over in uh, Ponte Verde, Point Verde fucking however you want to say it. I don't know how to say it. Jacksonville is what I'm going to go with. So the weather looks really damn good. Uh, key stats. Like I mentioned already a couple times, what makes TPC Sawgrass an interesting golf course is any golfer can win here. Bombers can't fully take advantage of their length around this place. The real emphasis is put on accuracy in the iron game. You need to hit fairways. That's also very important. Like we're going to see with JT in a second, his scoring difference when he gains strokes with the driver versus not is actually a lot. So you need to be able to find fairways, but iron play is so important around this place. Small greens, tricky approach positions like the angles of holes and all that kind of stuff. The bunkers are really good around TPC Sawgrass. So your irons really need to be dialed in to contend around this place. 
And then another thing we're going to be look at is recent form. I know that's something that we stress pretty much every single week, but I mean, sometimes it's not important, right? Brooks Kepka won the Waste Management Phoenix Open after missing three straight cuts. Sometimes it just doesn't come into play, but here it does. Since KJ Choi's win in 2011, five champions of the players had a top 10 finish in their most recent start coming into Sawgrass, and all of them finished inside the top 25 in their latest start. Um, before the player. So recent form is very important around TPC Sawgrass. Data golf information, the first course fit Sherwood Country Club. Number two is Sea Island Golf Club. And number three is TPC Twin Cities. Trending of the players in the field, Tony Finau is first. His last three starts are a T2, a solo second, and a 14th. Paul Casey's number two with a T12, a T5, and a T10. And Patrick Cantlay had a solo second, a T3, and a T15. So those are the three guys that are trending the most out of anybody in the field. Percent chance, I'm actually kind of surprised that Max isn't in there. I feel like he would be because he had what a T he won a T 20 something finish and then a top 10. I feel like he would be in there, but maybe not percent chance to win baseline course history, course fit, all that kind of stuff. Number one is John Rahm at 6.5%. And actually, before I get into the number two, number three, what I did see on data golf to really just emphasize how anybody can win at this golf course is once you get past John Rahm at six point whatever percent the next closest is like three percent so the last couple of weeks the the favorite has been at like nine percent or ten percent and then the next guy's like eight percent everybody's at three percent and when you go to the top like six guys so it's going to be tough this one's definitely going to be a tough one um percent chance to win like i said john rom is number one at 6.5 percent dustin johnson's at uh 3.7 percent and xander shoffley's at 3.3 percent if you want to go past that justin thomas is at 3.1 percent webb simpson's at 3.1 percent like everybody's just hovering right around that area so this is going to be a tournament where every single player there is absolutely going to be in the mix when it comes to betting odds, Dustin Johnson's the favorite on DraftKings at plus 1,200. Bryson DeChambeau is next at plus 15. John Rahm's at plus 15. Roy McIlroy's at plus 16. Xander Shoffley's at plus 2. Justin Thomas is at 2. Patrick Cantley's at 22. Tony Finau's at 22. Colin Morikawa's at 22. So is Webb Simpson. Victor Hovland, who's playing really good golf and just had a very shitty week, uh, weekend rather at the Arnold Palmer, is plus uh, 28, Spieth at three, and Daniel Berger is at 33. So really spread out. Jordan Spieth is slowly and surely making his way up to one of the top favorites. He's at, what is that, 10 or 11. So he's making his way up there, and he deserves it. He's been playing very, very good golf. So he's doing, he's going to be a guy to look at this week just because of recent form. And then we're going to get now into the Twilight Nine card. Let's talk about some fucking guys. Let's finally make some money this week. I think we're, the last two weeks, we've only won like a couple bets per. So we're looking we're looking to have like a huge week at the players. So let's get into it. And we're going to start just like we do every single week with our guy, Max Homa. And you guys might think, oh, you're just riding Max. Why you bet on him every week? Like, what are you doing? He just continues to win us money. He just keeps doing it. So we're going to go right back to him for the players. He backdoored a top 10 last week at the Arnold Palmer after playing a very solid round of plus one on Sunday and we had him for a top 30 at plus 150 and it's still crazy to me that he isn't being I mean I love it because you can still get him crazy value low down the board but it's crazy to me that he was plus 150 for a top 30 after coming off like a top 25 and a win like that doesn't make any sense our guy's not getting any respect but we're going right back to him 
The only thing that makes me nervous about Max this week, and this is pretty much the only thing, is his lack of experience at TPC Sawgrass. He's never played here before for the players. He's never played here professionally. I don't know what he does in his free time. I don't know if he makes trips to Jacksonville every once in a while to play TPC Sawgrass, but I know that he has no history at the players. His iron play kind of struggled a bit at Bay Hill, but I'm going to probably chalk that up to just tough conditions over the weekend. But the main factor that we've kind of been talking about over the last like month with Max is his putter is starting to look very, very good and performing very consistently. Max was first in strokes gained putting at Bay Hill, which is always nice to see. You always love that. And then off the tee, he was 10th in strokes gained. So if his irons come back just to a standard spot with Max, like if he can be 30th or like 25th in the field strokes gained iron play wise, I think he can make... I don't know if I'll make a run at the player's title, but I think he could probably top 20 this week. I just think his game is in such a good spot and his putter is really consistent. He showed that he can putt Bermuda at Bay Hill, the same putting surface they're at this week for the players. If he continues to keep that putter hot, 10th off the tee is going to be gigantic at the Players' Championship. You need to be able to drive it straight around TPC Sawgrass. If that continues, Max is going to have just another good week. And you can get Max for a top 40 for plus 164. Yes, I will take that. I can already tell you that that's going to be on the card because that is insane value for a guy that's playing at his level right now. So yeah, Max is going to be at the card for a top 40 plus 164. I don't even know if I just kind of dabble a little bit for a top 30 finish because let me look at real quick. I got DraftKings pulled up now. Let's look at top 30, Max Homa. Plus 225 for a top 30. So that's crazy. I'm probably going to just stick with a top 40 for him. But plus 164, that's crazy value for Max in that spot, playing that good of golf. So we'll see what we end up taking, but that's probably going to be it. The next guy is going to be Matsuyama. And it would be wrong of me to keep him off the card after what he did to Sawgrass on Thursday last year before the world went to a shit show. He went out there and shot 63 on Thursday. He destroyed that golf course. And he's in pretty good form. He had a top 20 at Bay Hill, and that kind of fits our must-be-in-good-form theory, right? And he also has a very, very good history at this championship. He was T8 in 2019, T22 in 2017, another top 10 finish in 2016, top 20 finish in 2015. This guy's just so damn consistent around Sawgrass, and it makes sense because he's one of the best ball strikers on the planet. He's a great iron player, and he's in good form. So it would not surprise me whatsoever to see Matsuyama at the top of the leaderboard come the weekend at the players. It's just He's just so consistently good at the around this golf course. Let's see what his, I know he's even plus money for a top 30. I think he was, yeah, plus 110 for a top 30. But even for a top 20, if you like Matsuyama that much, yeah, plus 188. That's crazy value for a guy with this kind of history and this kind of form, plus 188 for a top 20. That might be on the card. Matsuyama at some point will be on the card. I don't know in what position, but this dude loves Sawgrass. He enters the weekend good form. He's going to be a guy to watch. And it would only make sense after COVID fucked everything up in 2020 that like Hideki would just go out and shoot like 65 again and be the leader going into Friday. Like that's the only thing that would make sense in this spot. So that would not surprise me whatsoever if Matsuyama is the round one leader after Thursday. Just makes too much sense. 
Next guy is a guy that bounced back at Bay Hill. He loves Bay Hill, so I don't know why we didn't have him on the card. That was kind of stupid looking back on it. I know he struggled at the WGC, but he loves Bay Hill, and his iron play is coming into form, and that's Tommy Fleetwood. He had a top th- – I'm looking – Tommy Fleetwood, top 30, plus 138, Going back to the best hair on the PGA Tour, like I said, he struggled at the WGC, but last week was a really good sign for Tommy. He had a rough final round. He shot 77, but he was still able to finish inside the top 10. His ball striking was better. better. He ranked seventh in stroke scene approach. Since 2013, and these stats backing up Tommy are just really, really good. Since 2013, Fleetwood is third in strokes gained tee to green per round at TPC Sawgrass of players that have played 12 plus rounds. And he's second in most strokes gained total per round at the player since 2015 with a minimum of 12 rounds. He loves this place. Past finishes include a T5 last time they played and a T7 in 2018. Back to back top tens. One of them was a top five the last time they were at TPC Sawgrass. He loves this place. I went to a top 30 just because you can still find value here, plus 138. He's still looking for his first PGA Tour victory. He always plays better when the fields are really, really good. He's coming into the week off a top 10 finish. The iron play seems to be back, which was struggling. That's why he wasn't playing good golf like at the WGC. If he can find fairways this week at TPC Sawgrass, he's going to be in the mix. I don't know if he's going to win. I would be intrigued and maybe maybe drop like a top 10 finish for Tommy Fleetwood. But the dude is going to be in the mix come Sunday if he finds fairways. His iron play seemed to have made a turn at Bay Hill. Love Tommy this week. Again, like I said, he always plays better when the field is really good. Love that. Love Tommy this week. Top 30 plus 138 is probably going on the card. And is that's going to be on the card. I can almost guarantee you that. Another, or not another pass champ, a pass champ, Adam Scott is another guy that just loves this golf course. He's first in most strokes gained total per round at the players since 2015. That same stat that Tommy is second in, Adam is first. And in the other stat that Tommy's in, he's fourth in most strokes gained tee to green per round at TPC Sawgrass since 2013. So this dude loves this place. He won it back in 2004. That's a long time ago. It's crazy. Like Adam still looks young. It's crazy to think that he's won this championship. What is that? 17 years ago. His form coming into the week is not great. He's only finished inside the top 20 once since the U.S. Open, but that was recently. That was his, what, third start ago at the pharmacy T10. This would be, this would break the streak of winners being in good form, right? We were talking about that a little bit earlier. Guys always finished inside the top 25 the week before the players when they win. So that would break this. I'm not saying he's going to win. I don't have him winning. I just don't think he's going to win, but... You can get plus value for Adam for a top 40 finish this week. For a past champion at this golf course with other high finishes around here, you can get plus value for a top 40. That's crazy. That would be definitely a bet to add to the card if you were looking for one of the last ones. Not 100% sure yet if it's going to be on the T9 card. It might be, but to get a past champion in recent-ish good form at, um, where was that, San Diego, Plus value for top 40, that's kind of hard to turn down. So Adam Scott, another guy to look at. Now let's get into the iron player. I stressed iron play earlier. That's what you need around TPC Sawgrass. You need to be striking the fuck out of the golf ball, and that is what Colin Morikawa is doing right now. He's led the field in strokes and approach his last two appearances, and he's first on tour this season in strokes and approach by a lot, I have to mention. He is killing it. 
And the last time we saw him, he was lifting the WG concession trophy after putting on another ball striking clinic. The dude strikes the ball better than anybody on the PGA Tour. He's never played a full players, but last year in the opening round, he did shoot four under. So in the one time he's played this golf course, at least professionally, he shot four under and he's coming into fantastic form. Obviously it would be a stretch to say that he's going to win a WGC. And then two weeks later, after taking a week off, he wins the players, but you can get plus money for him right now for a top 20 at plus 125. That might have to go on the card just because he's shown that he's, he can play this golf course at a good level and he's coming in ridiculous form. His iron play is phenomenal right now. So if he continues to hit fairways and if he continues to putt well, his putter looked like he kind of ironed out the kinks with the new grip and the new putter or whatever. If all of that stays the same, he's going to top 20 at the players. So you just might as well take it because the odds are he's going to top 20. So Colin Morikawa is absolutely a guy to watch to not only contend, but he might win the thing. Uh, moving on, the Aussie. I don't believe Jason Day is going to win this week. I don't think he's going to. But he is a great target for a top 30 finish at plus 138 right now. He was T31 at the Arnold Palmer, but he shot 79 on Sunday, which dropped him 20 places down the leaderboard. That's what we were talking about. We had him for a top 10 at the Arnold Palmer, and it looked real good going into Sunday. And then he just absolutely peed down his leg. And not great. Not great. Didn't capitalize on that bet. That would have been huge. But before that, he had a top 10 at the Pebble, at Pebble, rather, and a top 20 at Concession. So he's playing really good golf. And again, I'm that T31 at the Arnold Palmer isn't really true to what he played because he just had one bad day in tough conditions. I'm not chalking up a lot to that. So he's just playing really good golf. He is in good form. He's a past winner of this event back in 2016. And he finished T8 at the last playing in 2019. So he's shown really good form. And then the year before that in 2018, he had a T5. So the guy loves Sawgrass and he's playing really good golf right now. The back seems to be very, very healthy. I don't, I'm unsure about his chances of winning, obviously. I don't know if he's going to be able to outlast all the other really good iron players in this field and the guys that are playing really good golf. But two straight top 10s before Arnold Palmer and a decent last month, pretty much. Or no, rather, sorry, not two straight top 10s in the two recent starts, two straight top 10s at the players and a decent last month. I love a top 30 or top 20 for J-Day. And I think you can even get J-Day at plus money for a top 30, which is crazy. So top 30 plus 138, probably going to hammer that for J-Day. I just love it. Good recent form and fantastic history at the players. Uh, and then probably my, my guy to win this week, just because I love hopping on him when his value goes up is Justin Thomas. This man might be the pick to win, at least my pick to win. He's plus 2000 on DraftKings. That kind of value for a player like JT is just really hard to ignore. Last year during the tournament, he stated how much he loves this golf course and good vibes can really go a long way. Driving it is going to be very important for JT. I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the show, but when he gains strokes with the driver at TPC Sawgrass, he has a scoring average of 69.9. But when he loses strokes with the driver, he has a 72.5 scoring average. The last time we saw him, he ranked last in strokes gained off the tee at concession. That cannot happen again. And he knows it can't happen again. He had a very, very bad week with the driver. But that same week, he was second to Colin Morikawa in strokes gained approach, losing by just 0.01 and finished tied for 15th. 
So he pretty much had the identical iron week that Colin Morikawa did, but Colin was money off the tee and Justin sucked off the tee. That was the only difference. So he's going to need to get that driver dialed in, but I think he can because if he can just kind of squeeze his little low cut out there and really emphasize that, I mean, that first tee shot is perfect for Justin Thomas. I think he can really make a run this week. Since 2015, JT has made more birdies or better than any other player at the players, but is also tied for the second most bogeys or worse. So he makes a fuck ton of birdies around this place, but then he makes a bunch of bogeys. And that's where driving the golf ball is really going to be important for him just because his iron play seems to have made a turn that it's going to be rarely good this week he just needs to find fairways and he's going to make a fuck ton of bir- i mean he always makes a lot of birdies but he's going to need to find fairways um i love justin like i said i love justin this week he had a t11 in 2018 and a t5 in 2016 you can actually get justin thomas for a plus value for a top 20 at plus 125 that's crazy that's when you just know that the players are just wide open for anybody like when you go to the top top 20 on DraftKings right now, only six guys are minus value for a top 20. That never happens. That's impossible to happen. And that's what's happening this week. So you can get Justin Thomas plus 125 for a top 20. He's probably going to end up being my pick to win at plus 2000. I just love him this week. And then the last guy we're going to talk about before we get out of here is Rory, our fucking guy. We got to talk about Rory, wrap it up with Rory. He looked great early at the API, faded on the weekend. Again, had two kind of eh rounds on the weekend. Sunday, of course, was in tough conditions, but Saturday is just no excuse to shot even par. You need to make a move on that day. He finally looks like he's a little bit more comfortable on the greens. Like I mentioned earlier, he's using the line a little bit more and using kind of JT's putting strategy, if you want to call it that. And he looks a little bit more comfortable in the greens. He led the field in strokes gained putting going into the weekend at Bay Hill. Of course, he always puts well at Bay Hill, but it's a really good sign that maybe the putter change has been really good for him. His driver wasn't great, and that's going to that's gonna be the part of the game that needs to change fast at Sawgrass. It demands a good driving performance like we saw with Rory two years ago in 2019. He put on a fucking clinic with his driver. It's going to need to be that just again this week for him to be able to get up into contention. He's the defending champion and has other great finishes at this golf tournament. He needs a spark. After Bay Hill, Rory said that he needs a spark to get going. He hasn't won in a year and a half, like I mentioned earlier in the show. I think this is a great opportunity for him to finally get it going, find that spark, drive the ball really well, use the putter that he's been putting with very well over the last couple of weeks and get the spark, maybe top five, right? Get it going a little bit. I don't know if he's going to win. I always think my guy's going to win. So um, Rory might win this golf tournament. But he just needs a really high finish at a tough golf course and a tough field, and he plays really good golf to kind of get the spark going into the next month before the players because we get the match play. He probably won't play in the Valero Texas Open. I don't know if he's playing in the Honda, but he needs a spark to get going for the Masters because you know damn well I'm going to pick him for the Masters. So Rory's just got to get that driver in tune. His iron play is okay. His putter looks really good. If he can find fairways at TPC Sawgrass, I think he can make a run for at least a top 10. And you can get plus, let's see... For a top 10, Roy McIlroy is plus 225. So that's a lot of value for Roars. I mean, he's only minus 110 for a top 20. Like, I might even just have to take that because that's crazy. But yeah, Roars, let's see if we can have a fucking week, huh, kid? But that's it, guys. Those are the guys that we're talking about so far this week. Of course, the entire and full um, betting article for Twilight 9 comes out on Wednesday, probably mid to late morning. And then the Twilight 9 card video is going to be posted on our Instagram around 5-ish, goes on the YouTube channel also, uh, gets posted to Golficity and all that kind of stuff. So 
look out for all the betting stuff coming out uh, tomorrow since it actually is Tuesday today. Follow the Instagram for the show at Twilight9Pod. You can follow my Instagram at RileyHamill underscore. Make sure to share the show around with anybody in your life, your family, friends that love golf. The show is doing fucking awesome and I can't wait to go around to a couple tour stops this summer to bring you guys some awesome stuff. I cannot wait to do that. So share the show around. We're looking forward to it. Um, yeah, and that's it, guys. Enjoy the players. Enjoy TPC Sawgrass. I cannot wait for this golf tournament. It's going to be fantastic. So enjoy the golf, and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.